Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The biggest advice I can give to people is to stop looking at fitness and stop looking at nutrition in regards to just how you look. Stop assuming that everybody, even in the fitness and nutrition industry, is saying you have to have a six-pack or you have to look a certain way because that's not what it is. How you look, those are after effects of taking care of your body. And one of the best ways you can take care of your body is really starting to get in tune with yourself. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest and returning to the podcast is popular body super trainer, Autumn Calabrese. Today on the show, Autumn and I discuss how she navigated a recent emotional and physical rock bottom, why done is better than perfect, simple shifts to transform your diet and health, mindset tips to help you reach your goals, how to recover after a bad day of eating, why being busy is an excuse to stop focusing on your health, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Autumn Calabrese back to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Autumn, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. Of course, it's great to see you again. It's been a few years, and I know when I had you on before, we dove kind of deep into your story and talked about that side of things. This time, I want to get like a little bit more tactical and, and talk about mindset, talk about healthy eating, talk about how people can like truly make a health transformation. But I want to start with like your story. Um, recently where you made a post a few days ago where you talked about how you hit this, I don't know if you want to call it a rock bottom moment, but a massive speed bump in your own physical, emotional, and mental health, like towards the beginning of this year, um, walk the audience through like what you, what you went through, what was going on and, and how that all made you feel. Yeah. So in November, which we're at the end of May right now. In November, we were on set, we were filming. Um, we were actually filming one of my programs called Healthy Obsession. And I went into the filming of that feeling incredible. Like, yes, super happy, super strong, confident in my body, all the things. And by the last week of filming, like the last two days of filming, I was standing in my dressing room and I was like, God, I feel so swollen. Like literally like these pants are tighter and we just bought them three weeks ago. So like, this makes no sense. Like I'm eating well, obviously we're filming hour long workouts. 
five days a week. I'm resting. I'm doing all the things. And on top of that, I was having really bad cystic acne on my chin, which I don't typically have that ever. Like I've never really had that issue like cystic acne. I'll get a pimple here and there, but I've never had that issue. And I had talked to my doctors. I have great doctors that I work with out in Dallas. And we were trying to get me out there because they're like, we really need to run your blood work. We haven't seen you in a minute. I'm like, I know, but my schedule is so crazy. I really couldn't get out there. So we were just playing with things the best we could. And then I started to feel better again. So we thought, cause we had stopped me on, um, we had stopped me on one of the medications I was taking. We figured like my body had probably healed and maybe I didn't need that anymore. And so great. So we move on. Everything's going great again. And then in March, I was doing a photo shoot for a, a clothing company that I had done a collaboration with. I do the photo shoot, same thing. I feel amazing, great, super happy, super confident. The next week I'm leaving for our work trip to Mexico where we've got 5,000 of our body coaches there and I'm gonna be on stage and everything. And I pack the suitcase with the clothes that I just did the photo shoot in. And it's, it's an eight day difference between the photo shoot and the time we get there. And by the time we get there, I am not feeling the same at all. My stomach is a mess. My anxiety is off the charts. Um, and again, I feel super swollen and it's not in my head. I'm not, I don't have that like, Oh, you know, I gained a pound. I feel so bad. It's not that it was, I was very swollen. I could tell I was inflamed. Um, I got on a scale just out of curiosity. I really don't go by the scale very much, but I also know what my body weight normally is. And I was up five pounds in a week. That's unheard of for me because same thing, eating well, exercising, nothing had changed. I was just like crying every day for no reason, but I had just gone to my doctors a few weeks before that. So I had finally gotten to my doctor in February. And by the time I got back from the trip, I called him and I was like, you got to help. Something's wrong. Like something is not right. I like everything is all over the place. I can't stop crying. Like my, my clothes don't fit. I don't know what's happening. And they're like, well, we did just get a lot of your blood work back and your hormones are all over the place. Now, for me, the interesting thing is I have always had a lot of stress in my life and I tend to say oh, I just handle it really well. But my body is saying different. Like maybe mentally, like outwardly towards the world, I'm able to just keep pushing, keep going. I don't let things slow me down, but it's getting put somewhere in my body. It's getting held somewhere in my body um, because my doctors are looking at my blood work and they can tell when they look at certain hormones and your adrenals and your cortisol levels and, and what those things are doing and your blood sugar. And they're like, Autumn, you're about to end up in the hospital. They're like, you know, when you hear about performers getting hospitalized for exhaustion, they're like, that's not fake. That's a real thing. And you're right there. You're on the edge. They're like, if we could prescribe anything for you right now, it wouldn't be medicine. The only prescription we have is you need a break. Like you need three weeks off. The doctor was literally like, if I pulled out a prescription pad, I would write three weeks at the beach without your phone. And they were like, when can you take three weeks off? And I was like, October. And they're like, no, when can you take three weeks off in like the next four weeks? And I'm like, that's, it's just not an option. That's not the life I live. But since that isn't the life I live and I do have 
a lot of obligations and things that I need to take care of. It really has become more of what are all the other things that I can do to help my body and help manage my stress um, to feel my best. So that's, that's what I've been working on a lot lately. And thanks for sharing all that. I know it's not easy to talk about this stuff. And I know you've been pushing yourself for a while. I mean, you've been with Beachbody for a long time. You've had a lot of success. You've come out with new programs. You've always been somebody who has been like one of the the main spoke one of the main spokespeople for for Beachbody. You've have a, you've built a massive platform over the years. Um, like, what do you think was different about this time around, where you like hit this near collapse versus like what you've been doing in the in the years past? Well. I want to be clear. I don't think it's body that's putting all the pressure on me by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's what we don't realize is how life can compound on us. One of the things that my doctors asked me when I first started working with them two years ago that I thought was a really interesting question, because these are, uh, there's a heart doctor, a general practitioner, um, like these are not psychologists or site or, or therapists or anything like that. These are medical doctors. Okay. And one of the very first questions that they asked me was about my childhood. And if I had trauma in my childhood, which I have, I, you know, I've been fairly open about that. Um, and I've had trauma in my college years and I've had trauma in my adult life. And by the way, trauma doesn't have to be like, Oh, I was in a bad car accident. Trauma doesn't have to be that something like, um, you know, that you were attacked or assaulted. It doesn't have to be like, that's, you know, trauma could be everything from how a parent handles a situation with you constantly yelling. If there's physical abuse, it could be, you know, the stress of a divorce. Um, all those things are emotional trauma on you as well. And those can be more detrimental because they put us in that fight or flight stance um, constantly. And that starts to tax our body in ways that we're not realizing. And so a lot of it is the compound effects, things that, you know, from all the way when you've been stressed from the time you were a child all the way through high school and then college and then adult life. It's, you know, I went to three different high schools because my dad moved. Then I went to go live with my mom. And while I was living with my mom, we moved to another state. That's stressful. You're leaving friends. You're starting in new situations. You're in new states. Um, in college, I dealt with a lot of stress from my ballet master because I was a dance major and a lot of um, emotional sort of, I'll, I'll call them beat downs. I talk about it in my book, just with um, if it wasn't his way, it wasn't any way. And, and I mean, right to the point where he said to my face, you're never going to graduate because I'm never going to cast you in the final show. And if I don't cast you in the final show, you can't get your degree. So like that is stressful. You spent, you know, Three and a half years in college, you've spent a lot of money and somebody is telling you, I allowed you into the dance program, but because I don't like the way you're going about your dance career, I won't let you finish your dance degree. Like, so things like that, moving to California on my own, working and paying the bills and, you know, there's just been so much. So I, I just, I want to make sure that it's not like people aren't hearing, oh my gosh, body is overworking here to the point where it's like exhaustion. That's not it. In fact, a lot of times work is a bit of a salvation for me. Work is my fun, creative space. And a lot of times it's just the rest of the world and life that starts to build up. 
I'm responsible for a lot in my household. I'm responsible for my dad and his well-being and financially. And well, and that all makes sense. And I don't think, I mean, I, I'm not looking at it and looking at it's. This is all because of body. It's it's hard hearing that because I've, I've known it as beach body for so long that I know body. it's super hard to call it body now. <laughs> I'm like, wait, body? What's that? But no, um, but I think that what happens, like you're right, a lot of this just compounds, and then like over time, you don't even realize how much it's compounding. And then we go through, you know, a pandemic and we go through a lot of other things that have caused collateral stress amongst us. Right. And then, then these other normal work projects that were once normal become even more stressful just because you're carrying that much more stress based on everything else. And so you you brought up something that I think is that people are really going to appreciate hearing in that you're busy, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you do the stuff with, with body, your mom, you have household obligations. You mentioned you take care of your dad and then you have your own like life to take care of. And you don't have time to take a month off and just reevaluate your entire life and try to bring yourself back to home, a level of homeostasis. So what have been a few of the the shifts that you've made in your life to help you, um, you know, regain some sense of balance? Yeah. So as soon as they said that, right, they were like, well, you have to figure it out. It, it's been little things. It was, literally like three days after I had had that phone conversation with my doctors, two of my good friends were going to Utah for the weekend for um, Easter weekend. And they had asked me to go multiple times. And I kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I've got too much going on, which really I didn't. My son was with his dad. And so that was one of those moments where I had to stop and look at like, why am I saying no compared to, you know, what are the benefits if I go? And I'm like, I'm saying no, because yes, I do have work to do. But a lot of times I also, I know this, I know I am a control freak. I know that I really like to be involved in all aspects of work and things like that, that are going on for me. I don't like to hand it off um, because then if anything goes wrong, I'm like, see, had I been involved, I could have caught that. And da, da, da. so I really had to say to myself, there are certain things that just aren't my job and I've got to let it go. And I've got to let other people do their job. And a lot of times I'll get frustrated because people aren't doing their job, but it's because for years I've done it and I've picked up and been like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And I'm like, I finally have to say, I no, I could have it, but I'm not going to, I'm going to let you do that. That is your job. Um, so that has been a huge step for me. Like that's, very hard to release that control, but it feels really good. So I release that control. I let people do their things, which by the way, they did, they did great. Um, and sometimes there are still things that I have to catch and that's just life because nobody's perfect and I don't expect anybody to be perfect. So I did get to go to Utah with my friends for the weekend, which was really nice and relaxing. Um, I have been doing everything from learning different breathwork techniques, I brought in a, um, there is a sound healer that I love here in LA, Anna Natal. She's amazing. And I go to her sound baths all the time. So not only have I gone to her sound baths because they're just super relaxing. I brought her in and did like a masterclass at my house, just me and her for like an entire day and learned how to play the singing bowls and the Tibetan bowls and the Kong and all the things. Um, because it's fun, it's fun and it's new and it's creative for me and it's learning something and it's relaxing. I am really, I actually find a lot of calm in structure. Like the more structured my day is, 
the more calm I am. So I've started, this is going to sound funny. It's going to sound backwards, but there's a lot of things I'll put off because they're not the things that I'm the best at. Like sometimes if it comes to filming a reel or something like that, I hate filming reels. I'm so over this part of social media. Um, because I don't want to be the videographer and the editor and the lighting person and all that. I, I just want to do the talent thing, right? I want to, I want to do the fitness moves or I want to do the cooking, but I don't want to do all the rest of it. But you don't always have somebody on hand to film you and then edit it in a really cool way and tell you what the trends are and what the music is. So I'll put, I usually put that stuff off, but then it lurks, like it sort of looms over me. Like, oh, I've got to do that thing. You got, you have that thing. And I'll do all the other things throughout the day. And then eventually I don't get to that thing. And then I'm annoyed at myself. So I flipped it and I've really structured my days now to starting with the things that maybe are not the easiest for me and getting those done. And I tell myself all the time now, done is better than perfect. Like I'm not going to be perfect at everything. I'm not perfect at anything. So if it's just not the best, I'm going to give it my best effort. And that's, that's where I'm at. And that takes a lot of stress and pressure off and it gets the, the tasks done that need to get done so that then I can go about the rest of the day and be like, oh, wow, it's two o'clock and I've done all the hard things. And now I'm just onto the fun stuff for the rest of the day that I really enjoy doing. So they're just little shifts, right? Like these are small mindset shifts. And I also try to find the fun in those little things, like in those things that I'm doing that are not the easiest for me. You brought up so much there that I wanted to go into, but I think something that just struck me is you talked about how done is is better than perfect. And a lot of people struggle with perfectionism. Um, it seems like based on what you're saying, that might have been something that's been hard has been hard for you. And I know like once you get in a, into a rhythm of just like getting into a pattern of getting things done, it becomes a lot easier over time. But I would imagine like initially it was really challenging to just let go. Like you mentioned, you're have, have, have had problems with control and stuff. Like what did like that, that initial time of putting something out there that you knew may have not have been perfect, but you just got it done. Like, how did you do that? You know, there, I'm, I can't say I've like mastered letting go of the control yet. It's, it's a work in progress. And even, you know, the things that I was letting go of and letting other people handle a little bit of when I went to Utah, three weeks later, it was like, okay, I was reviewing something and I was like, that's not right. And that's not right. You have like, it has to be fixed. It can't go out like that. It wasn't like a little mess up. It was a big thing. Um, but you know, it's more about, okay, like, I'm not going to get mad. We're going to fix it. We're not going to put it out that way. And it also just goes like, it, but it, again, it wasn't the end of the world. So I think it works for myself and the team to go, yeah, Autumn's not losing her mind about it. And it's not a big deal. Like nobody's perfect. So I don't really, I can't, I don't have a situation to say how I've, how I've done so much better with letting it go. It's a daily thing. And yeah, it's just, it's just a work in progress. I don't, I don't have a good answer to that right now because I am a control freak and I am trying to be less of one. And so maybe I guess the best thing I could say is sort of what I'm doing with those things that I don't love doing and putting those first and getting them just done. And again, I'm not doing it in a sloppy manner. I'm still giving it my best effort, but I just have to, it, it's either do it to the best of my ability 
and complete the task that somebody's waiting for me to complete or don't do it at all. And then I've got a bigger issue on my hand. Yeah, that all makes sense. Like you have to like get comfortable with doing the things that are hardest for you and, and not expecting perfectionism from something that maybe you don't have as much experience in or haven't put as much as much time or effort into. So yeah, that, that all totally makes sense. From like a health and fitness perspective, like have you made any adjustments with your workouts or how you eat, sleep, sleep hygiene um, to help you with balance? My workouts are still um, very similar because I don't go crazy on my workouts anymore. So I still work out 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Um, lots of variety in my workouts right now. I've been going and doing Pilates on the Reformer and Pilates mat classes because it's, again, it's just something new and different and fun for me. It's not new. I've done it many times in the past, but I haven't been doing it in recent years. So it's fun to go back to it. Uh, it's fun when it's a little less in my work environment and a little bit more in the just because I enjoy being physically active. So going out and just trying new things that makes the workout part even more fun for me. In terms of my nutrition, um, there's a lot that I'm playing with. I don't want to go into a whole lot of it because I can't give a really detailed plan because I am playing with it. That's the thing is like, I'm really experimenting. I've been learning a lot. I'm doing a six month hormone health class with the Integrative Institute of Nutrition, um, which is incredible and so much detail and science there. I think I've read four books now on hormone health, all written by four different doctors. So they all have their own different approaches to it. A lot of similar ideas, but different different approaches on how to get there. So a lot of it is sort of reading it, playing with it, saying, how do I feel like that could work for me? How do I tweak it in a way that makes more sense? You know, they'll talk a lot about um, intermittent fasting, which is stuff like that stuff I do every every day anyways. I usually eat dinner between six and seven, and I usually don't eat breakfast till seven or eight. So there's a 12 to 13 hour fast there already, but I'll play with a little bit longer time sometimes. Um, I've been very careful about my added sugar intake. I don't eat a lot of added sugar in general, but one of the things that we found when we got my blood work and all my tests back was I had a bit of overgrowth of candida, which is a yeast that we all have in our body. But when it gets out of balance, it can cause a lot of problems. And unfortunately, really, the only way to, to get rid of it is to kill it off is and you have to starve it off and it feeds on sugar. So it's like no sugar, like you can't have any, you can't have fruit, you can't have starchy carbs. Um, so that has not been the most fun, but I, I can feel the difference and I can feel that that might have been an issue. Like that might've been a bigger issue than I even realized. So there's, there's all these different things. The biggest advice I can give to people is to stop looking at fitness and stop looking at nutrition in regards to just how you look, right? Like stop treating it like, or stop assuming that everybody, even in the fitness and nutrition industry is saying you have to have a six pack or you have to look a certain way. Cause that's not what it is. Like how you look, those are after effects of taking care of your body and one of the best ways you can take care of your body is really starting to get in tune with yourself and, and understanding your body. This is something that I feel I've had for a really long time because I grew up as a dancer and I was always just, I have very good body awareness. I know instantly 
when something is not right in my body. I And I will pick up on things that you would not think, like most people would not recognize, oh, that might be a trigger from a food. Um, one of my food sensitivities, I'll just explain this to you. One of my food sensitivities for the last seven years has been nuts. I really haven't been able to have nuts since I was diagnosed. And once you remove a food from your diet that is a sensitivity, if you keep it out long enough, there's a there's a chance, depending on how bad it affects your body, that you can add it back in in small amounts. But it takes time. So like I said, I have really not had nuts in six or seven years. And in the last couple of times we've done my food sensitivity tests, nuts have not shown up as a sensitivity. My doctors were like, go ahead, try it, like just a little bit, start slow. I was like, great. So I added in a little bit of cashews one day. Great, didn't have any issues. Another day or two later, I added in a little bit of pistachios, no issues. Did that for like a week and a half. And then all of a sudden I kept noticing like my eyes were getting so dry, like crazy dry. I'm like, man, is this allergies? You know, we had a lot of rain here in LA. Now everything's blooming. And I was like, it's got to be allergies. But I was paying attention, kept paying attention. And I have a lot of awareness of my body. And the next time I ate nuts, I was like, my God, my eyes were not dry. And now they're super dry. So I took the nuts out for like four days, tried them again. Sure enough, I was like, well, that's a completely different reaction than my body used to have. It used to be if I ate nuts, my stomach would just knot up instantly. So one might think, oh, I ate nuts and my stomach didn't knot up. Yeah, I don't have a food sensitivity and not even correlate. Oh, my eyes are super dry now. That I think is coming from the nuts. And so sure enough, I asked my doctors and they're like, yeah, you know, you've had them out of your diet for seven years. So a lot of times it just won't show up on the food sensitivity test. But yeah, if that keeps happening, just take them back out. These are the things that are important to be aware of. And it's that's why I say it's so important to stop looking at fitness and nutrition as just is somebody judging me on my size? It's not that. It's about what all those domino effects are when you're eating the highly processed food, when you're eating the excessive amount of added sugar. There's there's no if there's no science, there's you're not going to find a single study that says eating a lot of sugar is good for you. You're not going to find a single study that says eating a lot of highly processed food is good for you. There is no health benefit. So it's letting go of that mentality. I think everybody's stuck in this mindset right now of, you know, they keep talking about diet culture and um, body positivity, and I'm all for body positivity, but I'm still also all for health and being aware of what is healthy for us. Right. So let's let's get into that and 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 talk about maybe there's somebody who's listening to this, or maybe they have um, a spouse, they have a loved one, or a friend where they they've just there's a lot of collateral damage, right? Somebody who hasn't exercised in 10 years, five years, they haven't been eating healthy at all. It's maybe not realistic for them to go from somebody who is, you know, their, their dinner looked like McDonald's and soda and alcohol and all this stuff to, you know, eating chicken, broccoli and rice, right? I mean, obviously, you've had a lot of experience in your in your own health, but also just helping, I mean, I would imagine tens of thousands of people throughout the course of your career make these shifts. So what are a, a few like tips you might have for somebody to be able to get started with this in a way that's manageable? It's always, I believe it's always best instead of focusing on what do I have to remove? 
Instead, if you focus on what can I add in, it's a much easier mind shift. And what you end up doing is something that's referred to as crowding out the bad with the good. So, okay, if you're somebody who drinks soda all throughout the day, instead of automatically saying, I'm going to take the soda out because look, there's sugar and there's caffeine there. And that that is going to lead to side effects, right? You're going to probably have caffeine headaches and you're probably going to crash off the sugar, not having it. So instead of just going, okay, I'm, I'm just cold turkey, getting rid of it. Instead go, okay, before I drink a soda, every time before I drink a soda, I'm drinking eight ounces of water first. That's it. First of all, your thirst is going to be quenched by the water. Your stomach's already going to be a little bit full from drinking that water. So you're probably not going to drink that soda quite as much, but at least you're also hydrating your body. And that's going to help you hopefully start to crowd out the large quantities of soda. Or if you're the same way with coffee, right? Like, okay, I'm having eight ounces of water before I have that cup of coffee. You might just find that you drink that water and all of a sudden you have the pick-me-up that you need because maybe you were just a little dehydrated. Same thing when it comes to your food. Now, of course, I would love to say like, let's just not go to McDonald's and let's not eat the fast food. But if you're not quite ready to give that up, then start saying, okay, I eat no vegetables. If I eat no vegetables at all, I'm going to try to eat one full serving of vegetables a day. That would be one cup. Pick. You can even, you know, try different ones. Do you like broccoli raw? Maybe you like it dipped in a little bit of ranch. Careful about the kind of ranch dressing you get. It tends to be loaded with sugar too. But, or maybe you want to try them sauteed, or maybe you like it in the air fryer. Maybe you want it in a salad, right? So there's different ways to try the vegetables and be like, okay, I got one cup in today. That wasn't so bad. Maybe a few days later, you're going to try to get in two servings of vegetables throughout the day. Now you're getting more fiber, you're getting more nutrients, you're going to be full a little bit longer. There's ways that you can start to add these beneficial foods in that, like I said, will crowd out the not so good foods. And same thing with working out. Nobody's saying you have to go from not exercising ever to, you know, an hour long, crazy, intense hit workout. Get up and go for a walk. Even if it's five minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, that's five or 10 minutes more than you did when you did nothing. You, we've seen it for years where people say, you know, take the stairs or park further away and all these things. And those are, those are great in terms of getting movement in. But I do think there is something to be said for referencing it in your own mind as working out. Even if it's only five minutes, I'm going to go for a five minute walk. That's what I can do today. Great. Because you've now put your brain in that context of this is exercise. And then maybe after a week of five minutes, you say, I'm going to do 10 minutes. And after a week of 10 minutes, maybe you're doing 15. And before you know it, you're doing 30 minute walks. And after 30 minutes, maybe you're like, hey, I think I could try to do a little bit of lightweight training just for five minutes. And before you know it, you've built those healthy habits that really start to um, change and give you the growth that you're looking for. I feel like walking is in, right? I feel like, you know, they used to say strong is the new skinny. I feel like walking is the new, is the new skinny. I mean, I guess if you were to. I'm a diehard walker. I grew up walking with my dad. My dad was a power walker. So yeah, I, but walking is having its moment, but I do think it's awesome. You know, it's get out there and do it. And I know you're a big walker and it's something that you 
um, you just mentioned that you're obviously into, but also I've just seen that it's something that you make sure that you get in regularly. Why has it been so powerful for you other than like just the, the physical benefits? I, I always find a couple things happen for me when I'm walking. It's a really, for me, it's very, um, like I get so much mental clarity while I'm out walking. I get some of my best ideas anytime I'm moving my body, but I'm also in quiet. So yeah. usually walking is that spot for me where I, I, yes, I'll put on a podcast or yes, I'll listen to music too sometimes. But if I really have to work through something, I'll, I'll walk just with nothing on, nothing playing in my ears. But I love it. You're getting fresh air. You're getting vitamin D if you're outside. Um, it's it's that opportunity to just be doing something for yourself. It feels good. It doesn't have to be hard. I'm not saying you have to be at some crazy pace. Um, and yeah, like I said, for me, I get some of my best thinking done for when my anxiety is at its worst. That's usually when I want to go for a walk because it helps me burn off that extra adrenaline that I'm having coursing through my body. And I also use it as a time to learn. Like I said, I'll put on a podcast or I'll put on a book um, or things like that. And so it's just, it's like a very cathartic process for me. That's awesome. It's really cool that it seems like it's this form of moving meditation for you to help you process everything. And staying along this same thread, a lot of moms, a lot of parents listen to my podcast, a lot of dads, and they find themselves, I think at times, just fe feeling so overwhelmed with life whether it be taking kids to certain events, sports, stuff like that, and then their own profession and just their own stuff and balancing everything that they have a hard time fitting in certain things, like walking, exercise. And I know obviously they, they understand that it's a priority. They need to include it and they know the benefits of it. What have you found to be some, some things that have, that have worked for you when things are super busy for you and you're also trying to not stress yourself out about you know, trying to live a healthy lifestyle? I think I'm going to give a not very popular answer, but really I want to say it comes, those are excuses because I have had, you know, I have an insanely busy schedule and look, you can look at where I'm at right now and be like, it's so easy for her. Like, look where she's at and she's got help and blah, 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 blah. But I had to, I had to earn my way here. This was like, I didn't just wake up one day and was here. I used to work 14 hour days as a personal trainer. And I was a fitness competitor trying to get in two to three hours of workouts a day in between. And I had a toddler and I was going through a divorce and I was a single mom because my ex-husband ended up moving down to San Diego with a week's notice. Like, like I understand we're all super busy and I understand that there are definitely things that take priority, but I guarantee if you start looking at things on your phone, like how much screen time, I bet if you start looking at how much time you scroll social media, you could find time for a workout. I understand that we all want to plop down on the couch at the end of the night and just turn our brains off, especially after the kids have gone to sleep and just have a little bit of time to relax. But maybe before they go to sleep, maybe you all go for a walk as a family, right? Whether it doesn't matter how old the kids are, like maybe you put them in the stroller or something like that. Or if you have a significant other, maybe you each take turns. Okay, I'm going to go for 20 minutes. And when I come back, if you want to go, you can go for 20 minutes. Um, maybe you get up just 15 or 20 minutes earlier. We're not talking about losing so much sleep that it's going to have this drastic impact. And if you're just going for a walk, 
that's a little bit easier on your body to do first thing when you wake up compared to like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hit the gym and again, do like some crazy weight training or high intensity interval training. If you're like, look, I'm going to get up 20 minutes early, throw my sweats on, take a quick 20 minute walk. It's going to wake my body up, give me some fresh air, especially now that we're in the spring and summer. I feel like this is the perfect time to build those routines when the weather is nicer and, and it's warmer and the sun comes out earlier. It's a little easier to do. And then when you build that routine, it becomes easier to stick with in the fall and the winter because it's really a part of your day and you've figured out ways to make it work. But I do think there are ways to figure out how to make it work. If you get a lunch break at work, go take a 10 minute walk. Not saying you have to take the whole lunch break to walk, take 10 minutes. You can find three different times in the day to take 10 minutes. Um, there, there are ways to get it in. I just, I know people, like I said, that have had crazy harder lives. I being in the industry that I'm in and working with body for as many years as I have and hearing as many stories as I've heard, you know, I, I have moms come tell me crazy stories, you know, multiple kids, kids with, um, different disorders and things like that, that require so much of their time. And then the mom getting a cancer diagnosis and like, they're still there fighting and they still have to go to work and they still have to do it, but they understand how important it is to be taking care of their body. So like I said, it might not be the most popular answer, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can find 30 minutes to move. A hundred percent. Like you got to accept and acknowledge that that life is hard and that, that things are, can be overwhelming at times, but then it's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, where can you fit in exercise that day, that week? Maybe it's not, you know, an hour and a half at the gym, but maybe it is just going on like a, a 30 minute jog. If you're a runner, maybe it is just, you know, doing a bunch of push-ups and pull-ups or whatever you have access to at a park, or I could come up with a million examples, but just figuring out like where you can fit fitness into your schedule at that time in your life. And then just knowing that if you're in this for the long run, and it is like this, this thing that you're going to be doing the rest of your life, that this moment where you're not able to get as much exercise in is just a blip on the radar. And speaking of that, obviously a lot of people that come into body programs or even like, I don't want to just say body, but just some programs in general where there's like a timeline where it's like 21 day, this 80 day, that 90 day, this, and they'll have these unrealistic expectations that if they do this, that this is going to unlock like health for the rest of their lives. What is your advice to somebody who is maybe they're not familiar with the, all the options that something like body has to offer or other workout programs to be able to not only make the most of a, of a challenge that kind of gets them in the door, but to also embrace the, the lifestyle long-term. I always say that fitness and nutrition, it's not money in the bank, right? Like you put the money in the bank and it stays there until you take it out. That is not fitness and nutrition. We've all been there. You know, you could work out for six months at a time. And if you miss a week, that when you get back to it, it's going to feel harder. So it is something that has to be consistent. That does not mean it has to be seven days a week, hours on end. And I think that is the beauty of the things that we offer on body with our programs and different programs at different lengths of time. I've got workouts that are 21 days. I've got workouts that are 30 days. I've got workouts that are 80 days. So every it's all different. And, and part of that is just based on what your goals are, what your fitness level is, the time that you do have to commit to it. But 
the beauty is we also have our one-off classes where like, if you're just like, okay, I'm not ready to say I'm following this exact structure for the next 21 days, you can pop on and take a spin class. You can pop on and take a yoga class. You can come on and take a strength training class or a cardio class. Um, but I do think, well, not think, I know there is something to be said for following an actual program because the one-offs and the daily classes are fantastic, especially if you're in between in the interim or traveling and things like that. But programmed fitness, where there's the beginning, the middle, and the end, and you know where you're starting and you know what you're working towards and you know what the goal is and the rest days are scheduled in there, that is going to make sure you don't overtrain, make sure you're working your entire body, uh, make sure you're getting enough, you know, both uh, weight training and cardio, or depending on what the you know, style program is. So I do think there's a lot to be said for following a program and committing to that for yourself, because then you find your ways to get that workout in. You're like, I said, I was doing these 21 days, so I'm getting it in. I got to find the time. I got to make the time. We don't find the time. We make the time. That's how it works. Um, and before you realize it, you're like, oh, this this does work with my schedule and I can do this. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's really important though, to remember that you don't want to go and put all that work in and then finish however long the program is and be like, I feel great. I look great. I'm done. Your health is never done. It is a journey, not a destination. It certainly is a journey, not a destination. And like one other thing about like specific types of workouts, obviously, um, there's been more of a push for, um, for people and, and women specifically, I think to lift heavier as they, as they get older to, again, uh, optimize their hormone levels, to, um, improve body composition, to improve their overall health, longevity, stuff like that. Have you personally, have you like dove in into that world of like lifting like heavy weights or are your workouts still like similar to what you teach on body? Oh, I have plenty of heavy weight training workouts that I teach on body. Again, I was a fitness competitor. I've been lifting heavy for years. You won't ever see me saying like, I'm not the person who says pick up threes just to pick up threes and let's do, you know, a bazillion reps. I'm always all about picking the right weight for the number of reps that we're doing. But I will tell people even something like, okay, 21 day fix where we have minute long intervals. That's an endurance interval right there. But I will say to people, you can decide what you want in this endurance interval. Do you want to lift heavier? If you're lifting heavier, you're going to get less reps in. And that's okay because that's your goal is a little bit more strength. Or maybe you are going for more muscle endurance. You want to go with a medium or a lightweight and just, you know, bust out those reps. Make sure you do it with proper form still. And then we've got stuff like 80-day obsession. With 80-day obsession, it's all periodized. So we have weeks where we're lifting a little bit lighter and we're in a 15 rep range. And then we have weeks where we're lifting heavy. We're only in a 10 rep range. Um, and when you're lifting 10 reps, that's heavy weight training. Same thing with nine week control freak, the way that program is designed, it's still a very strength heavy program. The most reps we do is 12, um, Week one of each phase is 12 reps. Week two of each phase is 10 reps. Week three of each phase is eight reps. We're really like more in that hypertrophy phase. So I'm all for heavy weight training, but I'm also for making sure you're doing it with proper form. You don't jump 
into the deep end with weight training, you need to make sure you know what you're doing before you just start picking up super heavy weights. Balancing that out with flexibility is really important, right? Because a tight muscle is not a strong muscle. It's not going to work properly if it's super tight. So you need to make sure you're doing your mobility and your flexibility. And cardio is still important. We still want strong lungs and a strong heart. So there's a balance between all of it. But yeah, I do love heavyweight training. I just did a heavy leg day this morning. Let's go. That's awesome. And so obviously like companies like Body and, and others have, have provided so much value to the everyday fitness consumer, the, even the fitness enthusiasts to help them get in shape and improve their overall health you know, improve strength, cardiovascular endurance, like we just talked about. But if there were like one area where, and again, not body and not just body, but just these companies in general, and that they, where they fall short, like if you had like the key to the car and you're like, you know what, I could just add one more thing. And I think it would really like take this to the next level. What would it be? I, I know people are going to think I'm saying this because I work for the company, but I swear I'm not. Um, I actually think that we are doing it better than anybody else because we have the fitness component. We have the nutrition component. So you see a lot of fitness companies out there. I'm not going to name other ones, but they have fitness, but they don't have nutrition programs. And that is huge. So we have fitness, we have the nutrition, we have support. That's really important too. Like you cannot underestimate the power of having a support system and not everybody has a support system at home. So having our body partners, coaches, um, having that community, those people to lean on when maybe you're not feeling it or you're struggling, that's really important as well. And we have even just added in recently our mindset component. And I also think that that's so huge because I don't really think your fitness and your health starts in the gym or in the kitchen. I really think it starts in your mind and how you look at it. Why are you doing it? What is your why? What are you showing up for? What is your feeling around it? Right? If you're if you're putting a bunch of negative thoughts around fitness and nutrition, you're probably not going to enjoy it and you're probably not going to do it. But if you start adjusting it, if you start finding the fun in it, if you start saying what is this going to do for me? How is this going to help me? How am I going to feel if I stay consistent? That mindset shift is really important and it carries into the rest of your life too. I tell people all the time that fitness is a metaphor for life. When you're in there and you're doing hard things in your workout, um, that shows you that you can do hard things in life, whether it's physically or mentally, because you're going to have to overcome both when you're in the workout. So like I said, I think people will probably assume I'm saying that because I work for the company, but I, I'm really not. Had you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said, I think mindset is really important to add in, but we were already in the process of bringing it to the company. And I know there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of different companies out there that are either doing fitness or doing nutrition or doing mindset, but we're the only one that has all three plus the support. Um, I don't, I don't have off the top of my head, like a thing, like what else would I, what else would I bring in? Well, I want to talk about the mindset piece. Cause you brought up something that I think a lot of people struggle with in that, um, and maybe they're not even aware of it in that they see diet and exercise as some form of punishment. Like I have to, you know, exercise because I hate myself or because I hate the way I look. And I, I think from my experience that can certainly get you off the ground. 
like when you're really angry at yourself, but it can't keep you going. So what are some like prompts or I don't know if it's a journaling exercise that that body provides or that you help people provide to help them make that shift where they can use, you know, diet and exercise as as a form of self-care. I I talk about a lot of different things actually in the 21 day fix super block that just came out in April. I really went hard on the mindset there. And even at the end of workouts, I would give certain prompts and things for people to think about. And like I just said, I think it's asking yourself the question, you know, why, what is my reason for doing this? And don't just go to the first reason, like keep, Keep asking yourself why, right? If okay, Why am I here? I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, well, why do I want to lose 20 pounds? Because I'm really tired and sluggish. Okay, and what will happen or why will I feel better if I lose that 20 pounds? I won't be tired and sluggish and I'll be able to keep up with my kids. And when you keep going deeper and keep asking yourself, you're going to get to something that's no longer a superficial answer. And that's going to be the thing that you can lean into on the days where, you don't feel like doing it because we all have them. I have days where I wake up and I don't feel like doing it. And those are also the days I give myself permission to change up. Maybe I don't do what's on the schedule that day. Maybe that is the day I go take a class or that is the day I go for a walk or something like that. But, you know, asking yourself, what is your why? Why are you here? Why are you doing it? Asking yourself, how am I going to feel if I stick with this? Or how am I going to feel if I don't stick with this? Um, that's another great one in general. Uh, Tony Robbins says this and I love it. He says, ask better questions to get better answers, right? Cause if you ask a crummy question, you're going to get a crummy answer. So if you're like, oh my God, why am I doing this? I hate it so much. You're going to get crummy answers about why you're doing it. You know, but if you, if you start to ask yourself, what can I get from this? That's a better question. If you say to yourself, this is one, this is an example he uses, Tony Robbins uses, but I'm going to, I'm going to use it. Just know that I'm taking his example. Why am I a fat slob? Your brain is going to give you answers to that question. It's going to be like, well, you eat all the junk food and you refuse to work out and da, 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 and life is so hard and it's never going to be easy for you. Those are going to be the answers that you get. But if you say to yourself, what can I do right now in this moment to just start feeling better? You're gonna, your, your mind's going to give you those answers too. I'm going to get up and take a, I can get up and take a walk. I can go get a glass of water and drink that to hydrate my body a little bit. I can write down five things that I like about myself. I can, you know, call a friend uh, that, and have a conversation that will make me feel better. Like there's so many better answers that you'll get if you just ask that better question. So be aware. I think that's a hard one for people. We ask ourselves questions all days long. Like we have this conversation in our head all day long that we don't realize that we're having. And so often it's just the same questions on repeat. We have the same conversations with ourselves every single day. And then we wonder why nothing's changing. If you stop and become aware of the things that you're thinking about every day, just like, just stop and ask yourself, if somebody else was talking to you and saying all those things, would that be a conversation you'd want to be involved in? Because sometimes we don't realize just how much we're in our head just complaining about everything. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what if my friend came up to me and for like the last hour, this is what they just kept rambling on about. You would be so over that conversation so fast. Nobody wants to sit there and hear negativity all day long. Like, yes, you'll be there for your friend. But at a certain point, you're like, okay, we're done with this now. 
So don't, don't be your own worst enemy between your ears. And then kind of bringing this back full circle a bit, like we touched on, like, um, your, your, the problems that you've had with your hormones over the last, I guess, six months or so, and then how you've navigated that. We've all, we're all also talking about mindset, negativity, how you talk to yourself. When you initially like fell into that, or you initially hit that hormone roadblock, I guess you could call it. Did you fall into any kind of negativity towards yourself about that? Any, any kind of shame? And if so, like, how did you get yourself out of it? It wasn't shame as much as it was frustration. Um, and there was, you know, there's always moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Like six years ago was my gut health and I've been working on that. And now the gut health feels better. And now it's this. And why is it always something? But I also will catch myself really quickly because I know that that leads to nowhere that I can ask myself all those questions. It doesn't solve anything. So yes, I think we all get in that moment for a split second, but it's how quickly you can recognize that there is no problem solving to be had in sitting in those questions. Why me? Why is this happening again? I do so much to take care of my body. And no, Autumn, obviously you don't do so much to take care of your body because something's not right. So you're missing a component, right? Like I could sit there and say all the things I eat so well and I exercise and my sleep is really good and I get massaged and da da. Okay, but you're not managing your stress. So you're not doing everything you need to be doing. So, um, so then I go, okay. So what do I need to be doing? And I like to be a problem solver. So I will dive into the solution. You got to spend more time on the solution than the problem. So many people dwell on the problem. Oh my God, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And they keep sitting in the problem, but they never switch over to the solution. Sitting in the problem is just going to leave you with the problem. So you got to go sit in the solution or ways to try to find it. So for me, that's what it is. I'll have my moment, but I also know that's when I have to get to work the most. And all, I think all of our challenges in life are that, uh, you know, we, we, our only problem is that we think we're supposed to have no problems. Life has problems. That's, that's just the bottom line. It doesn't matter how good your life is. You're still going to have problems. Like life is going to throw you curveballs. So instead of being like, oh my gosh, I have problems, be like, yeah, well, okay, well, that's life. We have problems. So how do I solve this problem? It's 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 so true. Like you're, there's always going to be things that come up in life, but I think the the real way you know you're growing as a person is like how you deal with all that. Does a does a day long problem turn into a month long problem? Does a minute long uh, head trash moment turn into a twenty four hour head trash moment? Like you have to find ways to 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 deal with all that. And with that said a lot of the people I've trained over the years have, have struggled with when they have a bad a quote unquote bad day, like eating, like they go to a birthday party, they're it's Memorial day today. They're out eating, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff that they feel so guilty about themselves the next day that that becomes an excuse to say, you know what, like one more day, one more day, one more day. And then sure enough, it turns into a two week you're off the rails. Right. And for two weeks, um, how do you, how do you, advise people to kind of handle that when they've eaten in a, in a way they're, they're not they eaten in a way that's not in accordance with their goals for a day. I, I think again, it's all about the mindset that we have around food. That, that is a lot about our relationship with food. I don't think we recognize that a large majority of the population has some version of disordered eating. 
And that's, I'm not saying it has an eating disorder. I'm saying they have disordered eating. They have disordered thoughts around food. And it's just exactly what you just said. Well, I, I quote unquote, ate bad for the day. So, oh my gosh, I screwed up. That's so horrible. Well, I know I'm not going to have any dessert for the next six months. So I better have it one more time. Oh, better have one more drink. You know, that's not a healthy mindset around food. So it's really going, hey, I've got this birthday party coming up. I'm just going to enjoy it. I I know there's not going to be the healthiest things. I'm going to enjoy it. And after the birthday party, you know, depending on what time of day that's at, it, either your next meal, you get back on it, you know, being super healthy or the next day. But if you have that plan, like, I'm going to just enjoy this and I'm not beating myself up about it because I know it's only today. And tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to move my body and I'm going to get right back to eating well. It's hard to, I guess it's a little hard to explain in some ways, or maybe it's that it's easy to explain, but it's harder to actually do. But that's really what it has to come down to. We have to stop beating ourselves up and having this all or nothing mentality about, about food or treat foods or things like that. But again, we usually tend to beat ourselves up when we're making it about a superficial goal. Because I can tell you when it's about my health, it's not a question at all. It's just that it's, I don't even think about having the thing that wouldn't be good for me. Um, like when the doctors were like, oh, you have candida. And the only way to get rid of it is to starve it out. Like I took my son for ice cream. It wasn't even a thought to have ice cream. I know I can't have that. That is going to feed the candida. I am going to feed the beast inside of me that is going to lead to a whole spiral of issues. Took him to the movies. He had popcorn and candy. It's not even a thought because I'm not worried about, am I going to have a six pack for work? I'm like trying to be as healthy as I can. I don't want to exasperate a condition that I have. We get into that negative mindset around food. I think a lot of times when we have this superficial trying to do it for somebody else, doing it just just for the way I look instead of about the way I feel and my health. When it's about my health and how I feel, I absolutely can go to a birthday party and have a little piece of cake or go out and have a cocktail and be totally good with just that and then get up the next day and get right back to the routine. Have you ever had a hard time with like external validation, like seeking the approval of others and doing stuff, you know, throughout your career? I mean, I'd be lying if I said no, because we're human. And I think most of us at some point of, of course you want to be liked. Of course, you know, you want to be praised. I actually think it's something that is, I've had to be much more aware of because I'm competitive too. I've had to be much more aware of in my career now of like not worrying about what is being said on social media, not worrying about the likes on social media, or if a troll makes a negative comment, right? That could sit with you in a really just ill kind of way for the rest of the day. Like you could have a hundred good comments, you get that one negative one, and you're just like, ugh, it just sits with you. Like this person doesn't know me. So I wouldn't say that I'm like all day, every day looking for external validation, but I think I would be lying if I said there's not a point where, of course, it feels good when somebody is like, oh, my God, I love that program. Oh, my God, you look good. Oh, my gosh, this was awesome. Like, it's normal. I just try to make sure that that's not coming up to the forefront for me.
at all. That the work I'm doing is really about helping people. The work I'm doing on myself is about helping me so I can be the best version of myself. And then I can go take that. And that's a lot of why I share when I'm struggling, because I'm like, I'm not perfect in any way. I'm just human and I have problems too. And, and I'll share that and I'll share the journey of hopefully solving the problem to, to show people that that's, that's how you go about doing it. I I was listening to, um, to Joe Rogan, a Joe Rogan podcast. And I don't, I don't, um, want to butcher what he said, but he said something to the effect. He was talking to a comedian that he was interviewing and talking about how social media can be in a way negative. If like you're subject to judgment from thousands upon thousands of people where somebody, when they're not in the public eye, they're just scrolling. And it's like, you're reading stuff and reading stuff and reading stuff. And yet it takes up time. It can make you tired and take you away from things. But when you're in the public eye, like yourself, if you spend too much time like posting, you know, on reading the negative comments, I'm sure it can really get to you because, you know, somebody like you, you're subject to judgment from like so many people based on what you say. And it can be really, really tough to navigate that. Yeah, for sure. Because look, when you have almost a million people following, even though you don't have a million people engaged all the time, um, yeah, it's just a numbers game at that point. And even though I don't get that much hate, I, I get enough, you know, I think just like anybody at a certain point, you're, you're going to, and, and, you know, like I said, one or two or three, and it's also very interesting when you're on your way up, people will really cheer you on. So when I first started with the company and coming up and, you know, still single mom in the apartment and still working 14 hours a day as a trainer and filming and taking care of Dom, who was two, I guess maybe that's a little bit more relatable than where I'm at right now in life. And maybe people coming on and seeing where I'm at now haven't seen the whole journey up to here, but they'll definitely champion you until a certain point. And then you can really start to tell who's really your champion and who really is there to support you. And then, but that's also where a lot of trolls will come in and they'll start to have some negative things to say. And it's, you just have to remind yourself. I'm not saying it's easy, but you just have to remind yourself, like, these are not people that know you. These are not people that you're ever going to meet. These people would probably never say it to your face. And even if they say it, it doesn't make things true. Just because they're saying it doesn't make it accurate. So it's one of those things where, it happens. It's unfortunate that it happens because you know nobody would want it done to them, but you got keyboard warriors and they'll do it. So I don't. Usually I post and it's it's rare if I'll go back and read comments. I, I try to read sometimes because I really like to have my pulse on the finger of my followers and like, or have my finger on the pulse of my followers. Like I want to know what they want from me and what their like, what their questions are and stuff. But it's sort of like a scroll with one eye open. You know, it's like, a, ooh, I don't want to see anything that's going to piss me off for today. Yeah, I feel like sometimes the post and ghost can be kind of the best approach for, yeah. <laughs> for a lot of social media. Um, well, Autumn, this has been incredible. I wanted to thank you for coming back on, being vulnerable, sharing openly and honestly um, about everything. So maybe fill, fill the listeners in or for people watching this, like what's next for you. And then if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to do that? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back on. I always love it. Um, next up, we will start filming the four weeks for everybody's super block, which will come out in September. 
I'll start filming that in July. So that is what is next. We've got our big summit event coming up for body um, in June. So I'll be there, but you guys can follow me on social media. It's at Autumn Calibries on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all the places. You can check out my website, autumncalibries.com. Yeah, would love to be in touch with y'all. Amazing. Well, I'll make sure to include the links to that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. We covered so much. We talked about Autumn's journey with her hormone health. We talked about mindset. We talked about balance. We talked about stress. We talked about you know the online fitness world. We talked about external validation. We covered so much. So whatever your takeaway was, tag Autumn and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.